Tonight we cut the field in half as the quarterfinals get underway tonight in classes 1A to 4A and the semifinals in class 5A to 6A. The winners of those latter two games, a trip to the WPIL championship up for grabs. Hello everybody, I'm Brendan Rossi joining you for the Whippy Whip Around on Pittsburgh Sports Now. And first things first, just want to apologize for not having a recap edition Earlier in the week, um, I was under the weather for most of the week in an effort to preserve my voice um, just for work. Decided to take things easy this week. As we get into this week's episode, um, we'll briefly recap what happened last week in the first round. And then, of course, get into our players of the week. No teams of the week now. Um, and then we go into our previews for all the quarterfinals and semifinal games tonight. With that said, let's start in Class 1A. Our recap, firstly, uh, the number one versus the number 16, Bishop Canavan. Well, it, it, it was close to start out with Jeanette. Uh, it was tied at 14 at one point, but the Crusaders eventually pulled away in a hurry. 63-14, Bishop Canavan won that one. Lassay Lacks had a touchdown reception, had had a punt return for a touchdown. Cole Olszewski also threw for 157 as the Crusaders cruised to the WPIO quarterfinals. To take on Clareton, who the number nine seeded upended Olsh by a score of 45 to 19. Clareton was the only team out of the Eastern Conference to win its first round game last week and did so in a big way. Um, Clareton historically has been um, one of the standards in Class 1A. Last year, uh, didn't make it to the semifinals for the first time in seemingly ages, but um, Clareton back in the conversation with a convincing win over Olsh. Capone Jones, the quarterback, running for four touchdowns as Clareton dispatching the Chargers pretty easily. Bottom half of of that side, Mapletown, the four, gets its first ever playoff win in school history with a 41-28 win over 13-seeded Leechburg, a game in which Mapletown kind of dominated. It was 35-14 at one point. Mapletown had 448 yards Leechburg almost half of that at 219 total yards and 410 rushing yards racked up by the Maples, led by Landon Stevenson, who ran for 296 and five tutties as Mapletown in the quarterfinals for the first time ever. They'll take on Southside, the number five seed, as they dispatched California 34-3 in the 5-12 matchup. Southside, who is known for its defense, um, had a pretty good offensive day. Racked up about 400 total yards of offense as quarterback Brody Elmashi had two rushing touchdowns and threw for another score. Southside with the win and into the quarterfinals they go. Other side of the bracket, the two versus the 15, Laurel versus Carmichael's. And, well, it went pretty much how a lot of people predicted. Laurel with the 53-8 win over the Mikes. I was at that game, and quite frankly, there's not really much to talk about. Laurel just kind of came in, uh, took care of business, and it's off to the quarterfinals as Landon Smith scored four first-half touchdowns in the win for the Spartans. And then this is where things start to get interesting. The 7-10 ended up with the 10 Union defeating Burgettstown the 7 by a score of 32-7. Um, and this game, I think, at least personally, I was surprised by not so much the outcome, but rather how much the final was decided by. Union led at one point 32 nothing. And the Scotties get revenge from last season when Burgettstown eliminated the Scotties uh, in the playoffs last year. Union forced five turnovers, and Braylon Thomas 
runs for 138 and three touchdowns, also three for 117 and another score. Burgettstown on the game, 138 total yards of offense and just five first downs. And a game that I, that I said was going to be the most interesting one to watch in Class 1A, Greensburg Central Catholic upset by the 14th-seeded Rochester Rams, 36-15. to It's Rochi's third straight first-round playoff win, and Antonio Lauer and Dom Guido led the way. Lowry ran for 218 yards on 29 carries, Guido with 101 on 15. And then the bottom half of that, of that side, Fort Cherry... Outlasts Manesson. That's the best way to describe it. 56 to 42 at a shootout. Both teams combined for almost 1,000 total yards of offense. And leading the way was Matt Sig. He accounted for almost 400 total yards of offense, 294 to be exact. Running for 255, throwing for 139. He accounted for six of the eight touchdowns. Fort Cherry had 553 total yards of offense. Um, including 414 on the ground, Sig for 255, and also Ethan Folletto running for 124. Fort Cherry offensively was humming. They scored on every possession except for two. The first was a fumble in the second quarter, and the, and the second drive that they didn't score on was a kneel down. So I'd say that's a pretty decent day. Of course, um, you don't want to have any turnovers, but it didn't hurt them in the long run. Now moving on to Class 2A as... The top two seeds, Steel Valley and Beaver Falls, getting buys in the first round. Um, firstly, we'll take a look at the eight-seeded McGuffey Highlanders defeating the ninth-seeded Mohawk Warriors 34-29 to in a close one. McGuffey was led by Kyle Brookman, who ran for 123. Um, Mohawk did have a lead after a safety um, at the beginning of the second half, but McGuffey scored twice more and pretty much put the game out of reach as the Highlanders go into the quarterfinals tonight. The 4, Neshanik defeats the 13, Burl, pretty easily, 48-6. The running game was on point, as expected from Neshanik. Uh, defense had a pretty strong game, despite allowing Burl to score first. Um, the Bucks were held at just 130 total yards of offense. And for Neshanik, no one offensively had a 100-yard rushing game. But you had three rushers go over 80 yards to lead a very balanced, very potent rushing attack for the Lancers. Then the other matchup, I believe I called this one. Yes, I did. Um, and it's I wasn't surprised at the outcome, but I was surprised at how big the margin of victory was. Wash High, for really the first time all season, playing a complete game in defeating Sarah Catholic 49-21. Um, this Wash High team is very talented. Uh, the senior class, led by Devon Foose, is um, nothing short of spectacular. It's just a matter of putting together four complete quarters, and that's exactly what Wash High was able to do. Um, leading the way, Eddie Lewis, he had 197 yards rushing. And defensively, Carlos Harper had two defensive touchdowns, which included a 99-yard scoop and score as the Prexies get the upset win, redeeming the earlier loss to Sarah Catholic in the season. Other side of the bracket, number two, Beaver Falls. Now will wait Ligonier Valley as the Rams defeated Western Beaver in the first round last week. 27-20 in Ligonier Valley's first playoff win in school history. Leading the way, Hayden Siraki. He had four touchdowns and ran for 200 yards and also had an INT as Ligonier Valley gets the win 
over Western Beaver in what was technically a, a home game, even though the game was being played at Offutt Field in Greensburg. Bottom half of that side, Stow Rocks shuts out Riverside 29-0. No surprise that Stow Rocks um, got the win. I'm a little surprised, however, that the, I guess, lack of points, I guess you could say, at least that I'm accustomed to from Stow Rocks, um, scoring 29 against a Riverside team who, um, again, if you if my rule of thumb is if you're coming out of Lawrence County or Beaver County, your chances are you're pretty good. Um, and Stow Rocks... Um, they were led by Josh Jenkins, led by who threw for 173 and scored four touchdowns, two passes, uh, going for scores to Jamont Green Miller and Drayvon Miller Ross. And then, of course, Keystone Oaks, the sixth, defeating Apollo Ridge, the 11, 21 14, in what was probably the most thrilling 2A win of the day last week. As Apollo Ridge, well, they had a game plan for Clinton Robinson. And we're able to shut him down for the most part for three and a half quarters. But Robinson had the eventual game winner midway through the fourth as Keystone Oaks comes from behind to defeat the Vikings. Um, this came in spite of Keystone Oaks turning it over three times. But again, the the playmakers that Keystone Oaks had, um, they just won the day of, um, despite trailing 14-7 at half. Sean Reig ran for 225 yards. Nick Buckley threw for 210 Robinson finished with six catches for 110, and of course, 56 of them coming on that game-winning touchdown midway through the fourth. Now moving on to Class 3A, the top four seeds with buys. Bell Vernon, the one, Avonworth, the two, Elizabeth Ford, the three, and Freeport, the four. Uh, Firstly, let's take a look at the first-round games. East Allegheny wins a shootout over Mount Pleasant, 42-39, and really the big difference there was Mike Cahill. He ran for 158 and scored five touchdowns and also threw for 142 on 12 completed passes on 20 attempts. And uh, East Allegheny gets back into the quarterfinals, has a tough test tonight, but the bottom line is East Allegheny, a pretty talented team, all things considered, and they get the win. Close one, but they get it done nonetheless. Same can't be said for West Mifflin and South Moreland. That game was a bit of a blowout with the Titans offensively just clicking on all cylinders, especially in the passing game as West Mifflin wins 54-28. Shy Newby throws for 351 yards, was a perfect 9-for-9 nine nine passing, and, and threw for four touchdowns. Um, Tygeer Williams, four catches for 163 and three touchdowns. Rich Fix had three catches for 145 and an additional score. Um, Those are almost video game-like numbers for those receivers. Other side of the bracket, not so much an offensive battle as it was a defensive slogfest between Beaver and Deer Lakes. Um, Deer Lakes did have a quiet 200 yards, but couldn't really show for it as they fall to Beaver 17-3. Derek Burke, the quarterback for Deer Lakes, held just 110 yards passing, and 44 of those yards were on the last drive when Beaver went into prevent defense. So the Bobcat defense, well, a strong performance, all things considered, and they're going to need a lot of that tonight going into the quarterfinals against Avonworth. And then Shady Side Academy blows out South Park 35-14, the difference here was Joey Bellinotti. He ran for 210 and four touchdowns as Shady Shadowside Academy gets the win. 
Now we move to Class 4A as the top three seeds with buys. That's Aliquippa, the one, Central Valley, the two, Thomas Jefferson, the three. The Quips will now take on Montour as the Spartans defeat Hampton 34-33 in what was, in my opinion, the most exciting game of the entire weekend last week as uh, Montour, a last-second Hail Mary after quarterback Jake Wolf was knocked out of the game with a concussion. Caleb Platts comes in. And he had a breakout game against West Allegheny two weeks ago. And he throws the game-winning pass to James Bundridge. And um, despite Hampton heavily outgaining Montour, 488 to 351, the Spartans did win the time of possession. Were able to keep the Hampton offense off the field for the most part. And uh, ultimately, of course, with that Hail Mary assisting them, the Spartans were able to get the win. Same can't be said for another Parkway Conference team, that being Blackhawk. They lose They lose to Armstrong 39-7 in the first round last week. Caden Olsen throws for 302 yards. Armstrong's best season ever continues. And then, of course, McKeesport shutting out Mars 43-0. The Planets were missing Eric Kasparovich, who was knocked out of the game last week with an injury against North Catholic. Kasparovich also set the single-season passing yards record at Mars. And uh, I don't think Kasparovich would have helped too, too much just because McKeesport is uh, a machine. The triple option dominated. The defense held Mars to just 112 yards of offense. Evan Wright, who was a 1,000-yard rusher, he had just four yards on 11 carries. And on the opposite side, Jamil Perryman, he had over 200 yards rushing. McKeesport, an easy win. Other side of the bracket, Central Valley with a bye week. They take on Laurel Highlands as the Mustangs defeat West Allegheny 44-15. to um, There were two big storylines, I'd say. Well, three big storylines. One of them coming into the game and the other two coming out of this game. The first was, it was Laurel Highland's first ever playoff win at home. And uh, this is, I would say, probably the biggest win in Laurel Highland's history. Um, And the the two stories that were coming out of the game, the fast start by Laurel Highland's, right away jumping out to a 24-0 lead, it ballooned to a 30-8. And after West Allegheny made it closer, Laurel Highland's with two defensive scores, um, to put away West A for good. Laurel Highlands was out gained 333 to 264, but the second point in the big story coming out of this game, five turnovers caused by Laurel Highlands, including four interceptions. And when you return two of those uh, turnovers to for touchdowns, chances are you're going to win. And Laurel Highlands won big against West Allegheny. And in my upset pick of the week, Latrobe gets the win over Highlands, 28-21 in overtime. It's Latrobe's first playoff win since 1968 when Latrobe won the last game ever played at Forbes Field. And really, it was a strong second half on the ground. Latrobe was stymied in the first half, only ran for about 10 yards in the first half and then exploded for 160 in the second half. And the old adage goes, it's not about it's not about how you start, it's about how you finish. And the Trobe finished pretty strongly and got the win over Highlands. Now moving on to Class 5A, it's the semifinals, and there were a lot of surprises around Class 5A. One of them almost happening in the 1 versus the 8 as Bethel Park escapes with a 19-17 win 
over North Hills, a game in which the Indians, after allowing the first touchdown of the game off after a botched uh, kickoff, Bethel Park um, was dominated by North Hills for the most part. North Hills led 17-16 in the fourth quarter and were nearly able to pull it off, but Bethel Park able to kick a game-winning field goal late in the game. Tanner Pfeiffer throws for 194 and two touchdowns as North Hills season comes to a heartbreaking end. And then in the other quarterfinal game, Upper St. Clair defeats Gateway in a nail-biter. 24-21. This game was a roller coaster for Upper St. Clair. And really the big story here was Julian Dallum. He only threw one pass, but it went for 26 yards and the game-winning touchdown after uh, Upper St. Clair passing-wise had been pretty much held in check outside of a 63-yard pass to Cam Phillips. And uh, defensively, USC was holding its own. Had a blocked field goal, forced three turnovers, and uh, running game was doing well with Jamal Brown running for almost 200 yards. But quarterbacking play was a little bit to be desired, to be completely honest with you. And um, Dallum came in late in the fourth quarter and uh, provided Upper St. Clair with a spark. And he threw the game-winning touchdown to Aiden Besselman. Upper St. Clair moves on to the WPIAL semifinals. Other side of the bracket, Pine Richland with the win over Penn Trafford, the defending WPIAL and state champions, 31-17. And, of course, Ryan Palmieri with another outstanding game. He ran for three touchdowns in the win. No surprise there, but the surprise, the big one, the real head-scratcher comes in the opposite game. Woodland Hills shuts out Franklin Regional 21-0 after Franklin Regional was the surprise team of Class 5A. And uh, after the, after some signature wins throughout the season, including one to Gateway early on in the year, the season comes to a disappointing end in a shutout fashion. Woodland Hills, during practice this week, had or last week, I should say, had um, the flu going around and adversity going up against Woodland Hills, and the Wolverines came out on top. And the big reason, and two players that you're going to have to get accustomed to hearing a lot um, for Woodland Hills, freshman quarterback Cam Walter to freshman wide receiver Scoop Smith. Smith is not big. He's, what, 5'5 or 5'6, but he is lightning quick, and they connected for two touchdowns as Cam Walter, the freshman, and Scoop Smith, the freshman, leading Woodland Hills to the shutout win over Franklin Regional. The Panthers tried the uh, to win the they tried to win the game via the time of possession and they lost that battle. Um, they did end up winning the time of possession pretty easily, but when you can't translate that into points, what's it worth? Not a whole lot. All right, and real quickly, let's look over our players of the week. Of course, no 6A player of the week, so we'll look at Class 1A to Class 5A. Uh, we'll start in Class 1A, and our player of the week is Mapletown's Landon Stevenson. He ran for 295 yards and five touchdowns in Mapletown's first-ever playoff win over Leechburg, and I can't tell you how important this game really was um, not only for Mapletown, but for the Tri-County South. Any playoff win um, for the Tri-County South is big, considering the lack of success that that conference has had. And Mapletown, not only that, got it against a pretty darn good Leechburg team led by a pit commit, 
Um, I mean, you can't really ask for much more. Class 2A Player of the Week is Hayden Siraki of Ligonier Valley, running for over 200 yards and four touchdowns. Also had an interception and was an instrumental piece in Ligonier Valley's first-ever WPIL playoff win, 27-20 victors over Western Beaver. Class 3A Player of the Week is Shy Newby from West Mifflin. He throws for 351 and a perfect 9 of 9 passing, four touchdowns as West Mifflin blows past South Moreland 54 to 28. Now, uh, an honorable mention, I guess, goes to Mike Cahill. I had a tough time deciding between those two as Cahill was the main catalyst for East Allegheny's win against Mount Pleasant, um, but ultimately ended up with Newby instead. Class 4A Player of the Week is going to Caden Olson. He throws for 302 as Armstrong defeats Blackhawk pretty easily 39-7. And our 5A Player of the Week um, comes from the Upper St. Clair Gateway game. It is not um, Julian Dallum and it is not Aiden Besselman who had the game-winning connection for the score. It is Jamal Brown. He ran for 198 and, again, another key piece in Upper St. Clair's win at Gateway last week. All right, so now we go into our quarterfinals and our semifinals previews. We start in Class 1A, and we'll break down every single uh, quarterfinal or semifinal game tonight. Uh, Firstly, we'll start with Bishop Canavan taking on Clareton. Uh, Clareton has been... They got a surprise win, I would say, last week against Our Lady of the Sacred Heart, but not surprising if... You've been following the Bears for, well, seemingly ever. Um, Bishop Canavan, though, like I said, is a machine. And um, when you look at this matchup, the history of this matchup is heavily in favor of Clareton. Bishop Canavan has never defeated Clareton ever in a program's history. Um, This is certainly the year to do it. And... uh, do I think that happens? I think yes. I'm going with Bishop Canavan to win this one, but this game will be much closer than Bishop Canavan has been accustomed to in recent games. Staying on this side of the bracket, number four Maple Town takes on number five Southside Beaver. Not picking a winner because I am on the call for this game on Greensports.net and the Trib Live High School Sports Network. Um, this one. All I got to say is these two teams, the weather's playing right in the hands of both of these teams. We know that it's going to storm all day um, on this Friday night. And um, Mapleton and Southside, they love to run the ball and they love to play good defense. This play is right in both of those teams' hands. Now, Mapletown, led by Landon Stevenson, everyone knows that he's kind of the, the workhorse for this Maples team. And Southside Beaver, they don't really have that one standout, but that team is not designed to have a standout. They have um, a ton of options to go to. Um, quarterback Brody Almashi just threw for 162 last week against California, um, and they have a number of backs to go to. Parker Statler, Ryan Navarra, Alex Arago, A.C. Corfield, um, and Matea Pavlovich can all see significant carries tonight in the quarterfinals against Mapletown. Now, I will say I am expecting a very close game. These two teams are very similar in styles. Um, The only difference is Southside is more of a running back by committee, whereas Mapletown relies a lot on Stevenson. Um, It's just a matter of if 
whoever can battle the elements the best. Other side of the bracket, we have number two, Laurel, taking on number 10, Union, in a rematch of earlier in the season when Laurel came back from behind and won in overtime against the Scotties, 28-22. And I think it's important to note that um, three of these four quarterfinal games are being played at a neutral field. I guess technically you could say four for four because Bishop Kenneman is playing it at uh, Dormont Stadium, but that's where they played all their home games anyway. And uh, the reason being is that the WPIL wants turf fields for the quarterfinals. Some coaches not happy, but um, just the way that things worked out, uh, I don't think anyone wants to be playing on a muddy, muddy field in the quarterfinals tonight because it's going to be a swamp in western Pennsylvania. Laurel in Union. Um, this matchup, I saw Laurel last week, and it's, well, like I said in the recap edition, they took care of business, and they can hurt you in a lot of ways. Um, the main way is Landon Smith. Um, he ran for four touchdowns last week against Carmichael's, and uh, I'm expecting a, if Laurel wants to get into the semifinals, I'm expecting a big game from him. Now, Union led by Braylon Thomas. He's a dual threat and one of the better athletes that Union has. This game is going to go pretty close. Um, however, I do think that Laurel is better this time around than they were whenever these two teams got together earlier on in the year, and I got Laurel winning this one. And then the bottom half of that side, Fort Cherry, the 6, hosting Rochester, the 14. And this one is, again, going to be another tight game. Um, the question here is, how can Rochester defend Matt Sig? Um, because Sig can hurt you with his legs and with his arm. We've seen that numerous occasions. We believe he's the first freshman to throw and rush for over 1,000 yards. And um, I think this one's going to be a lot closer than people think. Um, between these two teams, though, I think it's a four-point game, and I am sticking with Fort Cherry to win this one in potentially a shootout. Go to Class 2A, our quarterfinal matchups. Firstly, we have the number one-seeded Steel Valley Ironmen kicking off its uh, playoff trek against McGuffey, the number eight seed. And uh, we know that last year, uh, things didn't go according to plan after Nige Burt was injured and uh, this Ironman team. The thing is, um, I think this Steel Valley team is better than last year's team. Even if, God forbid, someone goes down, I think someone will step up pretty easily for Steel Valley. And I think the Ironman get a pretty easy win tonight against McGuffey. Bottom half of the bracket, Nishanik the 4 takes on the 12, Washington. As, uh, as I mentioned, the Prexies, with all those athletes, um, got past Sarah Catholic, the reigning WPIL champions in Class 2A. This one has the potential to be a shootout. Uh, Wash High's defense hasn't been the strongest, and Neshanik offensively, especially in the running game, has been very, very good. Johnny Hoff has rushed for 1,700 yards for the Lancers. Wash High, athletes all over the field. This one I'm expecting a shootout but I'm expecting Neshanik to come away with the win. Other side of the bracket, Beaver Falls starts its playoff run against Ligonier Valley, the number seven seed in the two-way playoffs. And uh, Beaver Falls, I think, is playing its best football right now. Give me the Tigers to win this one. 
And then finally, a a conference rematch. We have Stowe Rocks taking on Keystone Oaks, the three versus the six. Uh, Keystone Oaks has been the surprise of Class 2A this season after dropping down from Class 3A and finishing second place in the conference, only losing to Stowe Rocks earlier in the season in conference play, 52-0. Stowe Rocks, I think, has slipped a little bit, but I don't think that it's going to be enough, and Stowe Rocks wins this one. Up next, we move to Class 3A, where in the quarterfinals, we have the number one-seeded Bell Vernon Leopards take on the number nine-seeded East Allegheny Wildcats. Um, Bell Vernon, at least um, in Class 3A, they would have a serious chance of winning 4A and 5A. They're that talented. Um, Bell Vernon kind of ran through 3A, as Whippeal Sportsman would say, like a hot knife through butter. And East Allegheny's had a strong season. Don't get me wrong. They have athletes everywhere, but I don't think it's going to be a match for Bell Vernon, and the Leopards will win big tonight. Bottom half of the bracket, Freeport, the number four, takes on West Mifflin, the number five. And this one is the most intriguing matchup to me. Um, when you look at these 3A conferences, Freeport comes out of easily the weakest conference in Class 3A, that being the Allegheny Six. At least when you look at it on paper, at least they come out of the least top-heavy conference, I guess, would be the more uh, accurate depiction. But uh, West Mifflin dropping down, and the Titans, the the drop down from 4A to 3 has really helped the Titans this season. After starting out slowly, losing to three top-tier programs, McKeesport, EF, and TJ, uh, they won five of the last seven games, and uh, the Titans... Are um, they secure the number five seed? They're going up against a Freeport team that has sneakily been a very, very strong team. Um, nine and one on the season, and I shouldn't say sneakily; I would say quietly, a very strong team. Nine and one on the season, and uh, only loss coming to Armstrong earlier on in the year. This game, um, again, another tight one, but I am sticking with Freeport, and I think the difference is Ben Lane in this game. It's going to be an athletic showcase between Ben Lane and the receivers of West Mifflin alongside quarterback Shy Newby, but uh, Freeport, I think, gets the win tonight. Another conference rematch out of the Western Hills. It's Avonworth taking on Beaver, the two versus the seven. And uh, Avonworth defeating Beaver last time out pretty easily, 29-3. Beaver defensively has improved a lot since the Avonworth game. As a matter of fact, they've improved in all facets. Uh, taking out the Deer Lakes game where the the offense really couldn't get anything going. Scoring 59 against Seton LaSalle, 48 against Quaker Valley, 48 against Hopewell. I understand that those are three of the bottom teams in the Western Hills, but... When you score almost 60 points, I mean, you got to take note of that, regardless of how strong or weak the competition is. Avonworth, though, I think is going to be too much for Beaver and give me the Lopes to win this one, but not by 26 points like last time. And then we have Elizabeth Ford, the three, taking on Shadyside Academy, the six. EF, we all considered to be the number two team in Class 3A, only behind Bell Vernon. And EF with its best season in God knows how long, uh, despite losing to Bell Vernon to conclude the year 48-14. Shadyside Academy, um, they've played some good football recently. Five straight wins since losing to Freeport back in week four, or make that week five. 
If you asked me earlier on in the season, I'd say EF wins in a landslide. But um, I still think EF wins, but it's not going to be by like 35, 40 points. I'm going to say, I'm going to go 42, 21 EF with a win. Going to Class 4A, we have Aliquippa looking to defend its WPIL and state titles against, firstly, Montour, the number 8 seed, after the Spartans get that emotional win last week against Hampton. And although I don't think Montour really has much of a chance in this one, the bottom line is going to be the status of Jake Wolf. Um, Wolf was, he left last game with a concussion against Hampton and uh, we've seen earlier on the season Montour had a lot of struggles uh, without Wolf at quarterback Um, and they're going to need all the firepower that Montour can get now the Spartans are playing by far their best football all season Um, ever since the shutout loss to Central Valley they turned some heads throughout the year Um, the 20 point win over Blackhawk was pretty convincing Overtime win against West Allegheny opened my eyes and then got the big win over Hampton last week. Um, Although I do think that Montour's strong season comes to an end tonight and Aliquippa rolls, but not 33-0. I will say that Montour does get on the board. I'm going to go 28-12. Most interesting matchup in Class 4A is the 4 versus the 5. We have Armstrong taking on McKeesport at Armstrong High School. Um, A contrast of styles that there ever was one. Armstrong, a passing team through and through with Caden Olsen. He's passed for two yards under 3,000 passing yards this season. McKeesport, of course, that triple option offense. They'll run the ball pretty much 90% of the time. And, um, of course, McKeesport plays some very strong defense as well. Now, the main thing I'm looking at in this game are matchups. How does McKeesport's defense match up with Armstrong's receivers? How, do the, how does the defensive line match up with Armstrong's offensive line? Um, Armstrong is very well coached. It's not going to be easy um, for either team. Um, but I do think that the edge here goes to McKeesport. I think the Tigers have the better defense. And I think that if they're able to shut down Caden Olsen, they pretty much got Armstrong right where they want him. So give me the Tigers to win this one. Other side of the bracket, Central Valley, the two, takes on Laurel Highlands, the seven. As someone that has seen both teams on tape and has seen games against West Allegheny, because, again, that's where I broadcast for, um, I don't know how you can't pick Central Valley in this one. Ronnie Gallagher is a stud. Don't get me wrong. And it's more than just him. You have Keandre DeShields um, leading the way in the receiving core for Laurel Highlands. You have Hunter Kuzer. You also have Tristan Baker, who's going to be a really good running back for Laurel Highlands. Um, But Central Valley right now, um, just the run that the Warriors have been on. I know that the winning streak came to an end last week, or two weeks ago, whatever it was. But... um, that still doesn't discredit anything that Central Valley has accomplished to this point. And I think Central Valley wins potentially by a mercy rule. That's how confident I am in Central Valley. Central Valley, I think, plays more as a team, more cohesively. Um, and they're the more complete team 
Laurel Highlands, the only way it can win is the same way it won against West Allegheny, the turnover battle. And with Brett Fitzsimmons carrying the rock, um, you're going to have to go for strips, and I don't know if you're going to be able to do that. Bottom half of the bracket, Thomas Jefferson, the three, takes on Latrobe, or Latrobe, the 11th seed, a rematch from a conference game back in week two out of the Big Seven Conference. Thomas Jefferson won that game 31-21, in which the Jaguars were, quite frankly, not playing very good football uh, comparative to TJ Standards. Start of the year 3-3, and then after losing to Laurel Highlands for the first time ever, rattled off four straight wins, of course, including the big win two weeks ago against McKeesport to secure the first-round bye. Uh, Thomas Jefferson, I think, wins this game much easier than the first meeting between these two. Give me the Jaguars to win. Um, I don't I don't think it's going to be mercy rule, but I think it's going to be 42-14. Class 5A semifinals. It's the final four for 5A and 6A, and we are guaranteed a matchup between the Allegheny Six and the Northeast Conference. Um, two of the more complete conferences in all the WPIAL. Firstly, we'll look at the Allegheny Six matchup. It's Bethel Park and Upper St. Clair. Um, Bethel Park was the surprise team despite being the number one seed. No, no one really had Bethel Park ranked this high at the start of the season. A lot of the attention was going to Upper St. Clair, and rightfully so. But Bethel Park showed out in the Week 6 matchup and kind of leapfrogged the Panthers in pretty much every rankings imaginable. Bethel Park has a very strong senior class. Upper St. Clair has a very strong underclassman class, but they do have one of the best receivers in not just the WPIL, but nigh the state of Pennsylvania, Aiden Besselman. Now, both of these teams last week coming off of close wins, but I think it's on opposite sides of the spectrum. Bethel Park was expected to take care of North Hills. They didn't and they had to squeak by with a win on a last-second field goal. Upper St. Clair against Gateway, wouldn't say they were a favorite, but um, at least projections would have Upper St. Clair winning. And then you have you switch quarterbacks on the final drive, and you get a last-second touchdown. I think Upper St. Clair has much more momentum in this game, and when you get to the playoffs, it's not about how, what you did in the beginning of the season. It's what you're doing in the present day. Um, and if you're playing your best football in October and November, chances are you're going to be, you're going to be lasting a while in the playoffs. Um, upper St. Clair, since the loss to Cannon Mac, a game they probably should have won. Um, the Panthers have played very strongly. If they play like how they did in the first three quarters against Bethel Park, the Blackhawks will win. If upper St. Clair plays like, the same way it did against Gateway in the fourth quarter, then Upper St. Clair is going to win. It's just a matter of which USC team we're going to get. Um, If you ask me, I am going with Upper St. Clair to get the win over Bethel Park and lock up a spot in the WPIL championship game next week. Who will meet that team in the championship game? It'll be either Pine Richland or Woodland Hills. And to me, um, Woodland Hills has had a pretty good season and this could be the building blocks for Woodland Hills to get back to prominence but they're running into a Pine Richland team that is too hot right now and I think Pine Richland wins um, pretty big actually 
I don't think this game is going to be much of a contest, just the way how Pine Richland has been playing. Um, so give me the Rams to win this one. I'm going to go with 48-21. Now we move on to Class 6A, and, uh, well, the classification that has been talked about the most, it was the most hotly debated topic in the playoff uh, seedings throughout the season. And, uh, well, we finally have reached the semifinals. It's North Allegheny, Kennemack, and then Mount Lebanon and Central Catholic. Firstly, let's look at N.A. and Kennemack. Um, the Big Macs, I think, were the surprise team. They um, they turned some heads big time with the win against Seneca Valley early on in the year, and that turned out to be the difference for Ken and Mac getting into the playoffs. However, the Big Macs uh, were wiped out by Mount Lebanon in the final week of the season. North Allegheny on the year, only one loss. That coming to rival Pine Richland and the Tigers with an emotional win against Seneca Valley, which in essence knocked the Raiders out of the playoffs. I think, again, it comes down to momentum. It comes down to a lot of factors, how you're playing late in the season. And N.A., even though, yeah, they had to come from behind against a Seneca Valley team that didn't make the playoffs, um, they're not the ones that got beat 31 nothing. I get there's been two weeks, but um, this game, I think N.A. wins. Similarly to the last game, 35-21 was the score the last time. I think it's going to be a similar, not score, at least like 35-21 exactly, but it's going to be a similar deficit or margin of victory, I guess, depending on which side of the spectrum you fall on. And then the other side of the 6A semifinals, two teams that have faced uh, a lot throughout the season, Mount Lebanon and Central Catholic. They meet up at Mount Lebanon tonight. Um, The Blue Devils... Despite looking like uh, they weren't going to be, you know, anywhere near a playoff spot, they have played very good defense in the last three weeks. Central Catholic has also faced a lot of um, adversity throughout the year, and after the emotional win against Penn Hills, in which, of course, you have that miraculous um, blocked field goal, and then Central Catholic runs it in for a touchdown. Um, despite the Vikings trying the field goal anyway. Um, Central Catholic has been unbeaten since. They beat Seneca by three, and then they beat up on Gateway by a couple scores. Um, Mount Lebanon, as I said defensively, has played very, very good. Not a touchdown allowed since week six against North Allegheny, in which they lost 20-6. to Three points to Peters Township, shutout wins over Baldwin and Kenamac. My question, however, is the offense of Mount Lebanon. They're only averaging just under 19 points a game. Second worst offense is Central Catholic. They're averaging just under 23 points a game. Um, Can the offense of Mount Lebanon solve Central Catholic? It was a defensive battle last time. Mount Lebanon won on a last-second field goal, and um, I don't think that that will repeat itself. I think Central Catholic has played um, better competition, and thus... Central Catholic has more momentum coming into this game, and i like the Vikings to win this one to get into the WPIL championship game. That'll do it for this edition of the Whippeal Whip Around. We'll try and get back to the original format next week when we get into the semifinals and, of course, the championship previews for 5A and 6A. But until then, I'm Brandon Rossi. You can follow me on Twitter at Ross2 underscores EYE and follow Pittsburgh Sports Now on Twitter at PGH Sports Now. 
I'm Brennan Rossi, and I will see you next time.